For I've had enough of this world and its pleasures. I will arise and go forth to the house of my young. I will arise and go forth to the house of my father. I will arise and go forth to the house of my young. House of my young. Shalom, and welcome to today's teaching on the Hebraic roots of Christianity, where we study first century Christianity and the faith that Jesus, whose Hebrew name is Yeshua, which means salvation, taught his disciples. And now, Hebraic roots teacher Eddie Chumney of Hebraic Heritage Ministries International. Shalom. I'm Eddie Chumney of Hebraic Heritage Ministries, and we welcome you to today's teaching on the subject our spiritual journey from Egypt to the Promised Land. This is part 14 of the series. So in order to administer the judgments or the mishpatim, or the proper way in which we treat other people, the God of Israel instructed that there be establishment of courts where there would be judges who would rule after his heart in matters relating to the proper way we treat other people in justice and righteousness. In Deuteronomy chapter 16 verse 18 it is written, Judges and officers shall you make you in all your gates, which the Lord your God gives you throughout your tribes, and they shall judge the people with just judgment. The God of Israel requires righteous judgment. In Deuteronomy chapter 16 verse 20 it is written, Justice and only justice shall you pursue that you might live and possess the land which the Lord your God is giving you. So those who are to be judges over others should have the attribute of loving truth and hating covetousness. In Exodus chapter 18 verse 14 it is written, And when Moses' father-in-law said, Why do you sit by yourself alone and all the people stand by you from morning until evening? It continues in Exodus chapter 18 verse 21, Moreover, you shall provide out of all the people able men such as fear God, men of truth, hating covetousness, and place such over them to be rulers of thousands and rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties and rulers of tens. So we can see how the God of Israel wants a court system where people are judged righteously in Deuteronomy chapter 1 verse 16 as it is written. And I charged your judges at that time saying, Hear the causes between your brethren and judge righteously between every man and his brother and the stranger that is with him. We can see how the God of Israel wants a court system where judges judge righteously in Exodus chapter 23 verse 6 as it is written. And you shall not rest the judgment of your poor in his cause or his case or his situation in deuteronomy chapter 27 verse 19 it is written cursed be he that perverts the judgment of the stranger the fatherless and the widow and all the people shall say amen so the god of israel in administering proper justice you are to condemn the guilty and preserve the innocent in Exodus chapter 23 verse 7 it is written, Keep you far from a false matter, and the innocent and the righteous don't condemn or slay you not, for I will not justify the wicked. In Deuteronomy chapter 19 verse 16 and verses 18 and 19 it is written, If a false witness rise up against any man to testify against him that which is wrong, and the judges shall make diligent inquisition or inquiry 
were to search out the truth. And behold, if the witness be a false witness, and he testified falsely against his brother, then shall you do unto him as he had thought to do unto his brother. So shall you put the evil away from among you. We can see how the God of Israel doesn't want to see the perversion of justice. From Exodus chapter 23 verse 2 as it is written, You shall not follow a multitude to do evil, neither shall you speak in a cause to decline after many to rest proper judgment. So in order to have proper justice and righteousness, a person or a judge is not to take bribes. In Exodus chapter 23 verse 8 it is written, And you shall take no gift, for the gift blinds the wise and perverts the words of the righteous. So the one who follows the judgments or the mishpatim of the God of Israel and treats other people properly, spiritually they will ascend to the highest place in God, which spiritually is called Jerusalem or Mount Zion. In Isaiah chapter 33 verses 15 and 16 it is written, He that walks righteously and speaks uprightly, he that despises the gain of oppressions, that shakes his hand from holding of bribes, that stops his ears from hearing of blood, and shuts his eyes from seeing evil, he shall dwell on high. So those who walk in righteousness and truth and follow the Mishpatim, the judgments of the God of Israel, spiritually will ascend and dwell on Mount Zion. So Mount Zion is associated with the throne of the God of Israel, and the throne of the God of Israel is associated with the government of his kingdom, meaning those that will rule and reign with him. And those who rule and reign with him in his kingdom will dwell as his bride in the new Jerusalem or Mount Zion. In Psalm chapter 2 verse 6 it is written, Yet I have set my king upon my holy hill of Zion, referring to Yeshua, who rules as king over his father's kingdom. In Psalm chapter 15 verses 1 through 3 and verse 5 it is written, O Lord, who shall abide in your tabernacle, and who shall dwell in your holy hill? And we see from Psalm chapter 2 verse 6 that his holy hill is Mount Zion. So who's going to ascend to these spiritual heights in the kingdom of the God of Israel? Well, we can see as we further read in Psalm chapter 15 verse 2 as it is written, He that walks uprightly and works righteousness and speaks the truth in his heart. He that backbites not with his tongue, nor does evil to his neighbor, nor takes up reproach against his neighbor. He that puts not out his money to usury, nor takes reward against the innocent. So we can see most of these things are associated with the proper way we treat other people. So once we come out of Egypt, the ways of the world, the world system, and we're saved by grace through faith, which Christians call salvation, we're being born again in Yeshua, then we're to receive instruction regarding how we're to live our lives on a daily basis to please the one who redeemed us by grace through faith. The children of Israel received that instruction at Mount Sinai, and the majority of the commandments at Mount Sinai focused on the proper way we treat one another, and when we treat other people properly according to the heart and the ways and the standards of the God of Israel, he will cause us to inherit the land or possess the land. And ultimately what we possess and inherit is Jerusalem or Mount Zion, which is the city of the great king and the dwelling place of the bride of Yeshua. Yeshua betroths his bride or their marriage is based upon mercy, faith, 
righteousness in following his judgments or his mishpatim in hosea chapter 2 verses 19 and 20 it is written and i will betroth you unto me forever yes i will betroth you unto me in righteousness and in judgment mishpat and in loving kindness chesed and in mercies and i will even betroth you unto me in faithfulness and you will know the lord so knowing the lord is trusting in him having faith in him having mercy toward others, walking in truth, and living a life of righteousness, showing justice to others through keeping the judgments or the mishpatim of Yeshua. The heavenly Jerusalem is a city of truth. It consists of the people of the God of Israel who walk in truth. In Zechariah chapter 8 verse 3 it is written, Thus says the Lord, Jerusalem shall be called a city of truth, in the mountain of the Lord of hosts, the holy mountain. Continuing in Zechariah chapter 8 verse 8, we can see that the heavenly Jerusalem is the city of the bride of Yeshua, and they shall be my people, and I will be their God. So that is marriage language. And his marriage to his people is based upon his bride walking in truth, amet, and righteousness, Zedekah. The bride of Yeshua follows his judgments, or his mishpatim, or treats other people properly. We can see this in Ezekiel chapter 11 verse 20, as it is written, that they may walk in my statutes and keep my ordinances. The word ordinances is the Hebrew word mishpat, the Strong's number 4941, and do them. And what's the outcome? And they will be my people people and I will be their God. He will be wedded or married to his people based upon these things. The bride of Yeshua will walk in righteous deeds. We can see this from Revelation chapter 19 verses 7 and 8 as it is written. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him for the marriage of the Lamb has come and his wife has made herself ready. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white. For the fine linen is the righteousness of saints. So let's summarize this last part of our teaching where we have covered extensively the details of the Torah commandments that Yeshua gave to his people at Mount Sinai represented or being expressed through his judgment or his mishpatim which are commandments about how you properly treat other people. Number one, the God of Israel established judges and officers over his people that would administer his justice and righteousness. Number two, God commanded that there be judges who would judge all matters between others righteously. That means according to his heart and based upon the principles of his commandments. Number three, in righteously judging others, you are to justify the innocent and condemn the guilty. Number four, you're to have a heart of mercy and compassion for the poor and the needy and those who can't take care of themselves but need your help. Number five, faithfulness in following the Torah, the commandments, and specifically the judgments or the mishpatim of Yeshua as summarized and expressed through loving your neighbor as yourself and following the golden rule, doing unto others as you would want them to do unto you, will be the people who Yeshua calls his bride that he's going to live and dwell with forever in the new Jerusalem, who will rule and reign with Yeshua as a part of his government in his kingdom. Next, we're going to be sharing with you the spiritual meaning of the children of Israel being in the wilderness. And in doing so, we're going to be sharing with you their 10 tests 
in the wilderness. Remember, the physical journey of the children of Israel coming out of Egypt on their way to the promised land was given to us by the God of Israel, as we're told by Paul in Romans chapter 15 verse 4, for our learning, because it was given by the God of Israel as a spiritual blueprint for all believers in Yeshua as the Messiah, who he redeems us from Egypt, which is a type of the world and the world system, and the bondages of sin. We come out of Egypt by putting the blood of the Lamb on the doorpost. This prophetically personifies Yeshua, who as Yochanan the Immerser, or John the Baptist, proclaimed of him in John chapter 1 verse 29. He's the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And once we have accepted Yeshua as our Messiah, we are also to make him Lord of our lives. And in making him Lord of our lives, we're to seek to do his will for our lives. Spiritually speaking, the promised land represents seeking to do God's will in our lives. And in the process of seeking to do God's will in our lives, we have to live life. And as we live life, life is full of trials, tribulations, and persecutions, just like what happened to the children of Israel when they came out of Egypt and spent 40 years in the wilderness. So what is the purpose of the wilderness of life? Number one, just like the children of Israel, we are led into the wilderness by the God of Israel. He is sovereign over those things that happen in our lives. Number two, the God of Israel allows us to go through trials, tribulations, and persecutions or be afflicted in this world. And the purpose is to cause us to see the vanity of this world and cause our flesh to die so that we will realize, as the children of Israel did in Deuteronomy chapter 8 verses 2 and 3, that man is to live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Number three, when we live our lives, the God of Israel tests us and he reveals to us those things that are in our hearts. Number four, as we live our lives, we will encounter those events that happen in our lives where we see the divine hand of the God of Israel and his intervention in our lives and his supernatural provision. Number five, as we live this life, we are to learn what Solomon said in the book of Ecclesiastes regarding the things of this world and its values. Vanity, vanity, all is vanity. And this life is about living our life, trusting in the God of Israel, while seeking to be obedient to his Torah, which is his word, through the help and the inspiration of his Holy Spirit. First, let's understand the principle that when the children of Israel were brought out of Egypt on their way to the promised land, they first encountered the wilderness. And in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 2, it is written, And you shall remember all the way which the Lord your God led you these forty years in the wilderness. So not only was the children of Israel led into the wilderness, but Yeshua was led into the wilderness as well. In Luke chapter 4, verse 1, it is written, And Yeshua, being full of the Holy Spirit, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. The wilderness is a place of trials, tribulations, afflictions, persecutions, which is intended and meant to crucify the flesh and the pride of the flesh. 
and to live our lives in humility before the God of Israel. In Deuteronomy chapter 8 verse 2 it is written, And you shall remember all the way which the Lord your God led you these forty years in the wilderness, and the King James says, To humble you. The Hebrew word translated as humble is the Strong's number 6031. It's the Hebrew word anah. And the Hebrew word anah means to afflict, to humble, to bow down, to be brought low. The God of Israel brought the children of Israel into the wilderness to test and to show them what was in their hearts. Likewise, as we live our lives in the wilderness of life, what is in our hearts will be revealed as well. In Deuteronomy chapter 8 verse 2 it is written, And you shall remember all the way which the Lord your God led you these forty years in the wilderness to prove you, to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. So while the wilderness is a place of trials, tribulations, persecutions, and afflictions, it is also a place where the God of Israel reveals himself to us in a power and supernatural way, and we see his divine hand in our lives and his supernatural provision in our lives. So in Deuteronomy chapter 8 verse 3 it is written, And he humbled you and he suffered you to hunger and he fed you with manna. Manna was the supernatural food that the God of Israel fed the children of Israel in the wilderness. The wilderness, which represents us living our lives in this world, is a place where God wants us to learn that we are to live every day of our lives trusting in and following after his word. In Deuteronomy chapter 8 verse 3 it is written that he might make you to know that man does not live by bread only, that is physical bread, or what we do in our own efforts and our own ability and our own understanding, but man is to live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord, that is trusting in him, being obedient to him, and following his Torah or his word. The land of Egypt is not like the promised land. Remember, Egypt represents the world, the world system, and the world's values. Therefore, the land of Egypt represents natural order, cause, and effect. It is us understanding and following and using the laws of nature to our benefit. In Deuteronomy chapter 11 verse 10 it is written, For the land where you go in to possess, it is not as the land of Egypt from where you came out, where in the land of Egypt you sowed your seed, and you watered it with your foot as a garden of herbs. In other words, if you follow the laws of nature in natural order, cause and effect, and learn how to use them for your own benefit, you will reap that benefit. For example, a farmer knows how to till and farm the land, but a non-farmer may not know how to sow and to harvest a crop. So while the land of Egypt represents natural order, cause and effect, the land of Israel represents being obedient to Yeshua in his Torah or his word. So in contrasting the land of Egypt, which is mentioned in Deuteronomy chapter 11 verse 10, with the land of Israel, it says in Deuteronomy chapter 11 verse 11, but the land where you go to possess, the promised land, it is a land of hills and valleys, and it drinks water of the rain of heaven. 
So what's the meaning of it drinks water of the rain of heaven? This spiritually represents obedience to Yeshua, loving him, keeping his commandments, and following his Torah. We can see how the Torah is likened unto water. In Deuteronomy chapter 32 verse 2 it is written, My doctrine shall drop as the rain, my speech shall distill as the dew, as the small rain upon the tender herb, and as the showers upon the grass. In Isaiah chapter 55 verse 1 it is written, Ho, everyone that thirsts, come ye to the waters. So it's the God of Israel who watches over the land of Israel. Spiritually, this means the God of Israel watches over our heart and the things in our heart, and he watches to see whether we have a heart to be obedient to him and to trust in him and his ways. So in Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 12, it is written, The land which the Lord your God cares for, that is the land of Israel, the promised land. For the eyes of the Lord your God are always upon it, from the beginning of the year even unto the end of the year. So the eyes of the God of Israel looks into our heart. He knows the thought and the intent of our heart, and he watches the things that we do to see whether we will be obedient to him. We can see this from Deuteronomy chapter 13, verse 18, as it is written, When you shall hearken or listen to the voice of the Lord your God to keep all of his commandments, which I command you this day, to do that which is right in the eyes of the Lord your God. So blessings, our harvests, and our inheritance comes from our obedience to Yeshua after we've been saved by grace through faith in pursuing, making him Lord of every area of our life and seeking to do his will in our lives. In Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 13 and 14, it is written, And it will come to pass, if you will hearken diligently unto my commandments, which I command you this day, to love the Lord your God and to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul, that I will give you the rain of your land in his due season, the first rain and the latter rain, that you may gather in your corn, your wine, and your oil. So spiritually, this refers to receiving the blessings of the God of Israel in our lives for being obedient to him and seeking to do his will. So let's summarize this part of the teaching where we looked at what is the spiritual meaning and purpose of the wilderness of life. Number one, the God of Israel tests your faithfulness to him as you live your life. Number two, the God of Israel will allow affliction and persecution to come into your life to test and show you what's in your heart and to cause your flesh and the desires of the flesh to die. Number three, the God of Israel will show you his supernatural provision in a time of need, even as you're tested or go through the trials and tribulations of life. He will show you that he is real and you will notice his divine intervention in your life. Number four, the God of Israel wants you to be obedient to him and his Torah and to put your complete faith, trust, and confidence in him and following after his ways as you seek to do his will in your life. Number five, by being faithful and obedient to the God of Israel, he will give you blessings in this life as well as eternal blessings or an eternal inheritance. So now let's remember the purpose and the desire of the God of Israel in bringing his people out of Egypt. He didn't bring plagues upon Pharaoh in Egypt only for the purpose of having his people put the blood of the lamb on their doorposts, which spiritually and prophetically 
foreshadows the death of Yeshua on the tree and salvation in him. But he brought the children of Israel out of Egypt to take him to the promised land. And the specific destination in the promised land is Jerusalem or Mount Zion. Spiritually, Jerusalem or Mount Zion represents making Yeshua Lord of your life and seeking to do his will in your life. So he brought us out of Egypt, which is a type of the world and the world system, in the shed blood of Yeshua when he died on the tree, that if we would repent of our sins and accept Yeshua as our Messiah in his shed blood for the forgiveness of our sins, we now become a member of his family. But he did that so we could be servants of him Well, that's going to conclude part 14 of the series on the subject, Our Spiritual Journey from Egypt to the Promised Land. Shalom in Yeshua the Messiah. Amen. Thank you, Eddie. This is Stephen Morgan, and all of us here at Hebraic Heritage Ministries pray that you have enjoyed today's teaching. If you've been blessed, will you help us to share this message with others? Hebraic Heritage Ministries is supported by your generous financial gifts. In order to help you in your studies and to help us share this message with others, we are offering today the DVD, Yeshua the Lawgiver, for free for a love gift of any amount to the ministry. Hebraic Heritage Ministries also offers a monthly discipleship program. If you are interested in starting a fellowship group in your area, let us know. We would like to help you. Please contact us for more details. Our website is hebroots.org. That's H-E-B-R-O-O-T-S dot O-R-G. We would like to hear from you. Please send us an email. Finally, in order to take advantage of today's free offer, please mention this product offer and please mail your love gift to Hebraic Heritage Ministries, P.O. Box 81, Strasburg, that's S-T-R-A-S-B-U-R-G, Ohio, 44680. Until next time, may Yeshua richly bless you.